Hey, this is Nigel Rocket from Onslaught, and you're listening to Sonic Perspectives. joined by guitarist and founding member of Onslaught, none other than Nige Rocket. Almost four decades as one of the most well-known names in thrash metal, Onslaught is gearing up to release their first studio album in almost seven years. And the first thing that I notice about Generation Antichrist is that it's aggressive, it's punchy, it's sharp. Onslaught has always been hard and heavy, but what made it time for this level of brutality, really kicking it up a notch? Hmm, very good question. <laughs> um, we, we kind of had, had a discussion before we even went into the writing stages of this record of obviously which direction to take things. Um, last two albums, Sounds of Violence and, and Sex have been they've been they've been aggressive records and but slightly more technical if if one of a better word for onslaught, you know. So we're we're a band who never like to have two albums sound the same back to back. So we, we discussed it, as I said, uh, the direction, and we said, let's, let's go back a little, a little bit, um, go back to our roots and, and see what inspired us, um, see the attitude and, and the vibe when we recorded the Force album in 1986, um, and, and let's take that kind of mental approach to, to making this record, which we did. Um, we, we stripped the songs back, shorter songs, um, stripped the production layers back, um, and just just made it as raw as possible, you know. Um, no drum samples, all natural drums, um, which I think has added a, an extra energy to the record. Um, and I brought some riffs in that I, I had lying around from 1983 as well, um, just just to give it that extra old school vibe, you know. And, it, and it's really worked. It's obviously got a modern um, kind of very brutal production, which was always the intention. Um, and yeah, it's, it's worked. It's like 1986 Onslaught meets 2020 Onslaught, and it's, it's come out really good. What would you say has been the common thread that has tied all of Onslaught's discography together over the years? Myself, I guess. I guess I'm the, I'm the last man standing from, from day one, so um, that's always going to have a, a, a big influence on the way the band sounds, you know, especially as I, I write a majority of the material. So that's always going to keep the band sounding as onslaught, you know. Um, even though we've changed the vocalists recently, um, I've always read the lyrics and, and the vocal melody. So um, we've, although we've lost a, a great front man and a great singer, um, the, the overall sound of the band was never going to change if, if we've got um, a replacement um, who could handle the material well, you know, which we have. In, in Dave Garner, our new vocalist, he's, he's, he's not a million miles away from sounding like Psycheta in delivery. Um, totally a, a little different, but um, he handles the, the old material amazingly well. And obviously the, the delivery on the new album has just been off the scale. I mean, he's took the aggression to another level, um, which has completely matched the production. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been pretty had a lot of continuity except for one record I would say where where things kind of went a bit wobbly back in the the late 80s but um 
the fans know what to expect from Onslaught, but we just up, up, up the brutality a little bit more this time. So it's interesting to hear you say when you brought those wrists back from 1983 or so, you said you're going old school. Well, you've been around from old school to modern. What are the biggest changes that you've had to react to as artists as the scene has changed? Um, uh, obviously, the, the, the internet has been the, the biggest thing that has changed over the years. Um, I don't, not a lot of things have really changed in, apart from that. Um, obviously, the way we make records is different now, how we, how we record things. But the internet has been the biggest game changer in good ways and bad ways, as, as we all know. Um, it kind of decimated bands' incomes. Um, like 20 years ago with all the illegal downloading starting and what have you. So that obviously was going to change the music industry drastically. Um, whereas we used to make money from albums, money to live on, you know, um, album sales. Um, we never made money from touring back in, back in the day. Um, whereas now we make money from touring, but we make no money from record sales. So it's kind of a full turn on that. But everything else, I mean, it's, um, it's, the internet has been amazing for, for um, contacting people, you know. Um, we, we've now played in almost 70 different countries since we've been back together. Um, and that's purely down to communication quickly. And, I mean, back in the day, we used to do a lot of um, tape trading, and, and that's how the band started, and, and writing letters back and forth, fan mail, and sometimes those letters would take sort of six weeks to circle back around, say, from, from Brazil or somewhere like that. So you can see the differences. Your, your contact is immediate, as we're talking now, um, whereas it wasn't then. So the, the communication thing's a massive, massive help, um, whereas the, 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 the downside was, was the downloading from the Internet. But I guess it's, it's balanced itself out in, in its own way. So... Um, yeah, it's all, it's all good. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying this time around, I would say, more than the first time we were, we were running, you know? There's an entire generation of thrash musicians that haven't been inspired by Onslaught. And I'm sure a lot of that did start back when you had that personal connection through that fan letters, those tape trading. So when did you really start to see Onslaught as a veteran band? in terms of the thrash scene? Like, when did you, did you ever, like, when did that feeling hit, hit you? Um, I don't know if it ever has, actually. I don't know. It's, I don't ever think about it like that, to be honest. I mean, I just see, um, I just see us coming back in, in 2005 with a, with a totally renewed energy, you know? Um, so, I mean, it, it's obviously people call us, like, uh, reunited in their, um, what, what have you, and a veteran band and stuff. But it, it doesn't feel like that. It just feels, every time it feels so fresh, especially making a new record that sounds so so alive with so much energy. You know? So I, I kind of don't think of ourselves like that. But um, obviously, um, I mean, it's, it's great to be looked at as um, however people want to tag us. You know, it, it's always it's always very nice. People always say kind words 99.9% of the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's nice to be to be tagged as as legends, veterans, or whatever people want to call us, you know. And with that hiatus that you took and coming back, but even before that, you onslaught has never really been that two year cycle of release an album tour, release an album tour. You've definitely taken time between your albums, released some back to back. So that takes us to the present, where it's been about seven years since your last studio album. 
So when did you really get started on Generation Antichrist? And how long have these ideas been brewing? Yeah, October 2018 was when we started writing for this album. Um, the, the, the long seven-year gap was, was basically down for us just touring so much. Uh, we released six in 2013, toured that album all around the world for, for over two years which took us into 2016. And um, that was happened to be the 30th anniversary of our 1986 album, The Force. Um, lots of demand to go out and play that album in its entirety, which we more than happy to do, you know. Um, but that one, one year anniversary tour went on for two years. And um, then the next thing the label would go, where's the album, guys? Where's the album? It's been like too long. We need to... So, as soon as we finished the tour in September 2018, we, we crashed straight into the writing. Um, and it was, a, it was a pretty quick process, you know. Um, we, we finished the writing the album in less than a year. Um, and, and we were ready to go. And then things obviously kind of slowed down with, with the virus and, and the, the vocal change. So, it kind of put us back an extra few months. But, um, no, I mean, it, for me... Long gaps between albums. I'm quite, I'm quite happy. Although seven, seven years is too long, I must say. But um, if, if albums are too close together, the tendency to, to sound maybe too similar to the last one. So I like kind of a good gap in between where you can get totally fresh ideas and a, a totally new outlook on a, on another record. You know. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable with with two, three, four years between albums. It works for me. Um, but that may not be the case this time around because obviously we're we're stuck now. We, we've nothing to do for probably six to eight months. Um, so all we can do is start writing new material, um, which I'm kind of reluctant to do. But I think it is it would be sensible if we, if we do make a start on writing new songs um, because we don't want another seven year gap. That's for sure. That is a lot of touring that took up your time as a musician. What? is your favorite part about touring and what is the biggest thing that you took away from all those years spending all that time on the big stage? Uh, I just love touring. You know? uh, I'm, I'm a person who loves to travel anyway. So w when you can go to, to all these amazing, wonderful places and meet so many amazing people um, and then you get to play a show for these people, it's just incredible. I mean, how, however rich you are, you cannot buy that experience. You cannot however much money um, and it's just absolutely out of this world I mean we're, we're just so honoured to be in a position to be able to do that you know so um, yeah that's why touring is, is just immense it's tough don't get me wrong it's not as glamorous as people probably think it is um, when you're making 42 shows in 42 days around the USA and Canada and you're driving between shows it's, that's tough and then you go to South America and do 24 flights in 20 days. That's tough. But it's amazing. You, you have so much fun and so much experience in those times. It's just, that's what makes it for me. It really is. I just love touring so much. So, yeah, I just can't get enough. Where did the inspiration for this latest album come from? Were the ideas something that you've been sitting on for a long time? Uh, no, not really. Um, I, I kind of, when I start to write a record, I, I kind of compile the list of song titles to try and paint the picture before we write the songs. Um, so I, I had the, all the song titles and the album title together before we started writing. 
But then the, the, the world situation started to change a lot, you know, with the, with the virus coming in and certain things what's going on with governments around the world. So that it kind of played a, a big influence on on the lyrics on this album. Kind of a little different to, to the typical onslaught album. There's some more political undertones in there. So, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of my inspiration came for the lyrics after, after we got off tour, you know. Um, and I, with, with the virus kicking in, it, it kind of um, made things even more relevant again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of bizarre. The track, Bow Down for the Clowns, from the album, is um, I just completed the writing on end of December last year. Um, it was about what was going on in, in the UK and the, the kind of situation with leaving the European Union. But then Brexit came in, uh, the, the virus came in, and, and just turned turned us off around. And, and it's just so fit into what's going on at the moment. It's, it's incredible, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, um, it's, it's a little bit more political than we're used to, but um, I think it's cool in a in a different way. Yeah. So, what are the big thematic concepts that really tie this album together? So you did mention a little bit about politics and especially those that hit closer to home, but um, this album touches on a very wide range of topics. So I guess conceptually, just could you walk me through the album a little bit? Yeah, a brief run through the first track. Um, strike fast, strike hard is is basically all about uh, combat. Um, the, the the feeling of being in combat, I guess, um, full on, and and how that must feel to some guys, you know. Um, going back down to the clowns, the political thing I just mentioned. Um, then then we go to Generation Antichrist, which is kind of um, a bit more theme close to home for me, as um we we tend to do a bit of uh, religious bashing now and again. But this is this is my argument against religion, you know. I mean, I, I look at my children, um, who are, who are starting to grow up now, um, and they, they have no interest in religion at all. Um, they, uh, they've never said a prayer, they've never sang a hymn, they've never gone to church, you know. Um, so, so I see these and their friends as the, the generation of anti-Christians, you know, so that's where I kind of what inspired me for the title and then the the theme of the song is, ba- is basically questioning the relevance of religion in, in this throughout basically um the verses are contradictory questions so um there's it's not just a case of bashing religion there's some serious sort of um thought behind the song so i'd, I'd like people to read read the lyrics on that one because uh, people think oh onslaught being a satanic but that's that's absolute bull because it's not it's couldn't be further from the truth. There's some really strong arguments what are raised in, in the track Generation Antichrist. So I'd really like people to look a bit deeper on that one. Then um, again, we go a little bit more political with um, All Seeing Eyes, about the, how I look at the, the surveillance of populations around the world, and even in your own home, you know, your, your little Google pod things and your, your mobile phones and your computers, your TVs. Um, we're, we're constantly being monitored, you know. Um, even yesterday, I was having a discussion with somebody about something completely random. Not, not even it was just face to face. It was nothing. Not on the phone. And with an hour later, this this thing came up on my phone. A really random. Do you want to buy this or do you want to buy that? That's, that tells me somebody's listening into your conversation somewhere or somehow. So that's that song is is kind of based all around that. Um, where do we go there? We go um, we go to addicted to the smell of death. 
You saw very first serial killer track. Never done a serial killer track before, so it, it, it was kind of fun to do one about that. If you if you want to call serial killers fun, it was um it's about a guy called um H H Holmes who was from Chicago, I believe, um back in the 1800s, and he was uh allegedly the killer of up to 200 people, I believe. So that was kind of interesting. But the, the, the funny story behind where I got the track title from was um, I drive past the crematorium every day, um, which is fairly close to me. And whenever they're burning the bodies, they put out this kind of perfume smell into the air to obviously mask the smell of the, the burning flesh, you know, because it's quite near to a residential area. So um, smelling this every day it kind of got me addicted to the smell because it was really nice. If that sounds a bit odd, but that's where I got the song title from, addicted to the smell of death. From that, from that kind of aroma they pump out in the air, which is a little bit strange, but there you go. Um, there we go. Religious suicide. My take again. I, I, my hatred for religion or my dislike. I, I took to the extremes with this track, hence the the, the lyric content in the chorus, but. Um, it's basically a song which is stating that religion is the creator of its own demise. From, it's just causing its own problems these days, and um, I, I really see the end of organised religion in maybe 50, 60 years' time, because I've said that the generation of Antichrist really aren't following this anymore, and I, I do not see any relevance. So I think that will be the end of it, hopefully, one day for me anyway, personally. I think it'll probably outlive me, but there you go. Um, then last track on the album is Perfect Day to Die simply uh, a tribute to our, our lost friends from Motorhead so um, yeah um, that's the least we could do in a very very sad song I mean this album is just incredibly inspired and hearing you talk about it just adds so much depth especially considering you said this album is a little less technical but there are still some incredibly impressive um solos on the album do you have a particular favorite song um on this album especially when it comes to uh what you contribute instrumentally hmm. well thank you very much for the comments it's very kind and very much appreciated um i don't know i'm, I'm still listening to the album um and it's still sounding really fresh um so I guess, first of all, when, when the first track came out um, after we'd finished recording, the Religious Suicide was kind of, um, because it was the first single as such with, with Dave, um, and it sounded so brutal and fresh. Um, I guess that was kind of my, my favourite track at the time, because it was just so much in your face and, and everything I wanted it to be. Um, but as, as the listening goes on, I'm, I'm kind of swaying more now to Strike Fast, Strike Hard at the beginning of the album. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of angling that it's going to be possibly our, our next single release on the album once it's once it's out in the market, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I say, it's got that it's got one of those riffs I borrowed back from 1983, and it it just just has everything for me. It's, it's aggressive. It's it's so heavy and raw, and I, I just love the song. So I'm, I'm very very pleased with the way that one's turned out. And when it comes to touring this album, which are you most excited to hit the big stage with? Which songs do you think are really going to be those crowd pleasers? <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, the, the thing is, unfortunately, you can't go out and play. Well, I suppose you could go out and play the whole album, but um, it is, is. I think you need to break things up a little bit. I, I don't know whether if it was if it came out and was massive in the first 
a year of release, maybe you do that kind of thing. But I, I don't know. There's so many high energy tracks. I think yeah, we've got to be looking at playing uh, Strike Fast, Strike Hard, and Religious Suicide, and I'll probably bow down to the clowns the first thing because um, we're we're really looking to up up the, the show production with Onslaught, you know? uh, which then lends us to, to the track Generation Antichrist because we've got a lot of plans for that song in the live arena, you know, and there's so much potential for to put on a real good show for that one. So I think they're going to be the first four tracks that we're going to be picking out to play live. Yeah, so that leads into my next question. What are your big plans for touring once you can get on the road again? What is Onslaught really looking to do on this um, next set of tours, however long that leg may be? We've lost all our festivals and we've lost the tours for this year, so um, luckily the festivals have been rescheduled for next year, which is great. Um, but we have to replan all the tours of the US and South America and Europe now, which is, which is obviously proving to be quite difficult because the promoters are still a little bit nervous. Um, but the reason we put this on right now during the, the pandemic was was to get a step ahead of everybody else, you know, um, to make sure that the album's out there and people are excited and that we can put the shows on the back of this rather than be um, like many bands who are postponed and they're all going to try and release their albums at the same time and they're all going to be trying to book shows at the same time. So we, we try to get a jump on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're working very hard to get everything together for next year. Um, and let's just keep... Fingers crossed that everything comes together because um, we'll be certainly ready for it, that's for sure. Well, it seems like quite the balancing act, but um, aside from releasing this album and going on tour, what would you see the next big milestone that you want Onslaught to reach? That that goal that you're still striving for as artists? Well, <laughs> you've got some tough questions for me. Um, um, we, we've been so fortunate, as I said, we've been so fortunate as a band. Um, there's there's still some on the bucket list, of course. Um, we we haven't played Australia, New Zealand yet, and we haven't played India, so they're they're very very high on the list. But we we want to take the band to the next level in tour in terms of um, um, what we could do for the fans. You know, we we want to be able to go on and put on bigger shows um, and make it more of a spectacle. Um, and we were the annoying thing is everything was in place to do this this summer at the festivals, you know, and now, and now that's been taken away. So it's kind of delayed, but um, we just got to hope everything keeps building while the pandemic fades out and everything's ready for us to start. I mean, that's 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 the plan for us mainly to to get the show the show up and up and bigger for for the fans to enjoy, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I guess the last question. Where do you want Onslaught to go next? What creative avenues do you see the band pursuing in the future? Um, the, the the thing is, I, I don't think we we we're gonna we're not gonna try and, and reinvent the wheel. Um, we just want to keep making great thrash metal records. You know, I don't think the fans would appreciate any deviance of where of direction or anything like that. Let's just let's just keep writing great thrash metal songs. You know, um, and keep making records that sound great. Um, and records that sound different to the last one. Um, that's all we can do, and hopefully. It, it'll open more doors. We're we're always going to work hard to to please the fans. You know that's the that's the main thing at the end of the day. So as I said, we we won't reinvent the wheel to try anything silly or to to break any new boundaries into to other other genres and and risk what we have. You know because we enjoy we love doing what we do. Um, so we're just going to keep on making the best thrash music we can. Well, that sounds good to me. Yeah, it sounds good to me. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I um, really appreciated the opportunity to talk with you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Take care. And, uh... You just heard an interview with Ninth Rocket from thrash metal band Onslaught. Their upcoming studio album, Generation Antichrist, will be released on August 7th. For more interviews like this one and much more, be sure to follow Sonic Perspectives on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. To close out today's interview, we'll be playing the first single from Generation Antichrist, This Is Religious Suicide. Jesus fucking Christ!